Before Airplane, there was The Big Bus, a comedy disaster movie about a luxurious nuclear-powered bus with a built-in swimming pool and bowling alley that travels across the country as it's targeted by a cartoony supervillain. Welcome everyone to The Collector's Cut, I am Peter and I'm joined as always by David. Where is your god now, old woman? <laughs> That's the one you went with, is it? All right. That's my favorite line in the whole movie. The, the, there's a there's a there's a lot of lines in this one because it's more of a comedy. There's a lot of zingers that I'm not just saying they're mm. all good. I'm just saying that there's a lot of lines that you could have taken. Oh yeah, no, I had a running list, but that was the one that caught me off guard enough to use it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yes, this is uh, the Collector's Cut. This is a movie podcast. We worked through seasons of movies and this season is 70s disaster movies this is movie number three of five it is the big bus a movie which i had never heard of until i was researching 70s disaster movies same here so we're going to get into it this one's more of a comedy in fact it's outright a spoof uh, to the yeah. point where I was thinking this was only made because of Airplane, but then David reminded me Airplane didn't come out until 1980. So this actually predates Airplane, despite feeling like it's ripping off Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's impressive. So uh, I think that's a compliment in the long run, I think. Uh, I suppose so. I suppose so. Uh, the, the premise of this is that there is a nuclear-powered bus, mm-hmm. the titular big bus, and... Right. Uh, it is driving non-stop from New York to Denver, which I thought was a... I, I guess that was meant to be funny in and of itself, that that's the, the journey it's making. It's not It's not coast to coast. It's not New York to LA. Like, the, you know, the big location is like New York to Denver. I think the, the only reason I could come up with it is that Denver is in the Rocky Mountains, and okay. I think that they wanted to end this movie in the mountains for reasons we'll get to. Oh, sure. Okay, okay. I can see that. Yeah, okay. Mm. Uh... They could, have, they could have diverted. <laughs> it's just, you know, the, the idea that that's their, their destination. But, you know, it's the maiden voyage of the big bus. Mm-hmm. But there's sabotage. There is a evil mastermind referred to as Iron Man <laughs> who wants to... Who yeah. Wants, who wants to sabotage it. Because he's in, he's in the coal and oil industry and he doesn't like this nuclear energy business. So he wants mm-hmm. to sabotage it. I'm not even sure he's in the coal and oil industry he's just really good at sabotaging things and people like hire him out because they explicitly said that the he his like grandfather or something that was responsible for sinking the titanic uh oh yeah i remember that line i remember that line. yeah uh so yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into it we'll talk about the characters we'll talk about some of the jokes if i can remember because there was so many of them because it's a spoof that oh yeah that it's like it's possible it's Honestly, it's just a thing of remembering which ones are your favorites, because yeah. there are just more than you could list off. So, we'll get into all of that. We'll start spoiler-free, of course, as we always do. Uh, so, obviously, we'll keep all jokes that we might you know, regurgitate mm-hmm. and tell spoilers, but... Um, this is only 90 minutes long. It's a comedy. So, you know, I, I am concerned that there might not be... A lot of meat in the bone here for conversation's <laughs> sake, especially since we had so much to talk about with Cassandra Crossing last time. But we'll see. I'm, how it goes. I'm sorry. Are you 
Are you telling me you didn't pick up on the entire subplot of the American auto industry and versus the <laughs> versus the people? This was clearly an auteur's vision. <laughs> oh, I sure. Yes, the leading man, the bus driver, Dan, who is mm -hmm. played by an actor who I recognize, believe it or not. I recognize really? him from two things specifically, but one prominently because I watched it earlier this year, and he is the star of Alligator 2, The Mutation. Which I know none yeah. of you have seen, because why would you have? Uh, <laughs> he also played uh, when... So when... Uh, what's, what's Joey's real name? Matt LeBlanc. When Matt LeBlanc mm. was on a, a guest role in Married with Children, this guy played his dad. <laughs> that is so niche. But the, the reason why it's memorable is because they tried to do a spin-off with them. Okay. Right. There, there was like yeah, five. Niche. There was like five backdoor pilots in Married with Children, and this was one of them. It was, it was going to be him and his dad as this comedy duo, and it never obviously get picked up. It you know died in its arse. But as do most Matt LeBlanc projects. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, so that's a uh, Joseph Bologna or Bologna or whatever. He says I now. think it's Bologna. Bologna? Just Bologna? That's how. That's how Americans spell Bologna, at least. We don't spell bologna at all. Bologna is not a word that we use. I, I like. Look, I don't want to get back into the Oscar Mayer debates here, <laughs> but I know how to spell bologna specifically from their commercials. So Sh sure, that's bologna. Bologna is not a word that's used here. Not that I'm not that I'm saying it's an American word. I'm pretty sure bologna comes from uh, like maybe Italy. <laughs> is it, is it oh, probably I don't yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, we we don't call sliced meat bologna. That's not a thing here. Fair enough. It's just sliced meat. <laughs> I mean, not all sliced meat is bologna, but bologna is sliced meat. Oh. Wait, is it just a brand, or is it a specific type of sliced meat? You are getting too deep into this, and I don't have questions for, or answers for all <laughs> your questions here. This is... Because I wouldn't say there's, like, a famous brand here that, like, everyone reckons... Uh, that's, like, one of those... It's always just the supermarket's own, if, yeah. if it makes sense. Definitely. I mean, I'll, I'll do a quick Google search here. Uh, bologna is a city in germany which that's not helpful and oh, maybe it's then, a german word it just it sounds it looks more italian to me but uh. all right bologna sausage is a sausage derived from a specific italian pork so that's so, italian i was right yes yeah there you go genghis in north america a simple and popular use is the bologna sandwich there you go there you go are we talking about a movie? I forget. <laughs> yes. Well, this is Joseph Bologna. This is, uh, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is where it led. Uh, we yep. got him. I also recognize the priest character because he's Odo in Deep Space Nine. Uh, okay. So you got him. Uh, and then Ned Beatty has got a small role in this. Uh, mm -hmm. Most people know him from Superman, uh, yep. you know, one and two. Uh, or you might know him from Deliverance. Right. Yeah, those are uh, the big movies. The one that jumped out to me was the female lead of Stockard Channing, who has been in several things, but the one that jumped out to me the most is she was Rizzo in Greece. Ah, okay, okay. I, I did see so, that when I was a kid, but like I don't really yeah. remember much of it. But nah, that's fair. Uh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. Uh, so it's not quite the all-star cast that some of these other disaster movies had, which no. tells you that we're operating on a different wavelength to these other big movies. 
and that makes sense given that it is more of a, a comedy that's making fun of them i mean the, the movie starts with text and narration that yeah. says you saw the movie where the big boat sank you saw the movie where the building was on fire you saw the movie where the earthquake hit now you're going to see the big boss that is how the movie starts so it, i mean immediately you know that it's not taking itself seriously well like i mean obviously it was going to be a comedy the moment mm-hmm. where i realized oh no we're doing this we're in a spoof was mm-hmm. there's a joke early on which i won't say what it is but there's a joke early on with how they handle radioactive material and i went oh okay we're yeah. in a, where it was a spoof okay all right for right, we're just in the spoof territory yeah uh logic and reason has there's no bearing on anything that's going to happen in this <laughs> and we just we can just roll with it uh so. I, I will say uh comparing it to airplane it doesn't feel as densely packed with jokes sure like airplane is just every time they speak it's some gag or some visual thing but this movie definitely feels a bit more spaced out where they are they're always funny they're always doing something somewhat comedy slanted but the actual punchlines don't hit nearly as quickly sure so Um, yeah uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the gist of it. Uh, you know, they, they have to get their, this new bus driver in last minute who's got a history with the female lead, Kitty. Kitty is the designer of the bus. Her father runs the company that's built the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's not happy about bringing him in, but they bring him in. And obviously there's some backstory with him that we'll get to and, and whatever else. But uh, that is the gist of it. They're driving from New York to Denver. They're sabotage. And this weird luxury nuclear powered bus, which obviously is much bigger on the inside than it has any right to be, but that's just you know part oh, yeah. of the joke. So I mean, this this thing you say much bigger on the inside, but even then, it is a massive bus. This oh, thing it's is huge, double decker tall, and twice the length of a normal bus. So yes, uh, and the front has got this like sort of dual window front where you can sort of see the the, the up and the the, the top mm-hmm. and the bottom of the front, uh, and they kind of treat it like they treat it like it's a spaceship where mm. like they've got buttons for it to do things that no bus would ever like <laughs> have like oh, yeah. jettison the something something they'll press a button and some you know drop door will open and things will fall out and it's like yeah, yeah okay yeah because this is how a bus does things uh and they've even got like a mission control who are like keeping track of them and helping oh, yeah. and stuff so it's a full-on nasa setup yes so that that is where this film is you've got an idea of it David, did yes. you enjoy the big bus? So we have not really tackled straight comedies on this show yet. The closest we got were the Santa Claus movies. Mm-hmm. This single movie made me laugh more than all the Santa Claus movies combined. <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed this one. This one was just a good time for me overall. And in terms of disaster movie... I mean, it follows this beats of, you know, things keep on getting worse and worse and they keep on having to overcome. And obviously it doesn't get too bogged down in like the misery of it where it's like, oh God, we've lost someone else because it's a comedy. They're yeah, just tongue in cheek. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I think that it's, it's comedy spoof first and disaster movie second, but it does still follow at least the beats of a disaster movie. So, so They're more cartoony, but I would say that the ensemble cast feels like a disaster movie cast. Oh, absolutely. If we even just compare it to uh, 
Cassandra Crossing from last one, we had the married couple in this movie who were within the span of the movie on again, off again, like five times. <laughs> like they know exactly what they're spoofing and they do it very well. So uh, yeah, I definitely liked it. Yeah. That's actually came out the same year as Cassandra Crossing, 1976, mm. uh, funnily enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't actually know how I feel about it almost. Like, I feel like for every joke I liked, there was a lot that made me groan. Or, a, no, not even groan, just a lot that just landed with a thud. Like, you know, I didn't really feel okay. anything about them. Uh, there were moments, though, and there were lines that did make me chuckle. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, s- simple reactions to things or... Uh, you know, the radioactive joke that I sort of referenced earlier at the start of the movie did actually make me laugh just because it was so uh, ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. At one point in the music from 2001 plays, I won't say yeah. which point, but I did also appreciate that. You know, th- there's things like that that I did get into. Um, I wouldn't say that every bit of character comedy necessarily worked for me, though. Um, you know, just... You know, the entire backstory of the main character, which, which we'll get into, like, every time they started bringing that up, I'm like, this isn't that funny. I don't, I don't this, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can see yeah. That. But at the same time, though, this idea that all the bus drivers we see in the movie early on are, like, really, like, passionate about being bus drivers, and there's lines like, uh, I'm a bus driver, and a bus driver's got to drive, and, like, <laughs> or, you know, just, like, they, they act like they're all, like, I guess the closest thing would be like in a movie where it's like a, a tight group of cops who all really care about being cops. So they, they talk mm. about like the, the, the drama of the, the job and the duty of it. Well, this is how these bus drivers talk about being bus drivers. Yeah. Um, so To the point where there's a bus driver bar at the start, start of the movie. So there's, that amuses me. I, yeah. I, I would say that I was more amused than I laughed for the most part. But there, there was That's the odd fair. thing that made me laugh. Yeah, I mean, I can I can fully understand that. It's definitely, definitely not. I guess when I say it got more laughs out of me, I'm not talking about full belly laughs or mm. anything like that. I'm talking about the kind of laugh that you give when you type "lol" into a text. It's just that exhalation mm. of breath. That's like, yeah, no, this was, this was amusing. This was, I considered to be, successful comedy in the fact that if I'm having to say that you know a real laugh is something that i audibly stop and like have to gasp for breath for there's maybe only like four movies that have ever done that <laughs> yeah i it, it does make it harder to talk about though because i feel like comedies by their nature are have you know like you're just kind of regurgitating jokes at a certain point rather oh, than yeah. you know breaking Absolutely. things down and analyzing or whatever you, like how do you analyze this beyond just maybe what are the disaster movie tropes that it's kind of playing with and making fun of? Yeah. And yeah, obviously some of that's in there. Like I would say that plot wise, obviously we compare it to airplane for obvious reasons, but I would say the mm-hmm. threat of the bomb on the bus and kind of the, like the fallout of it, it does actually mirror out of the ones I've seen most closely. It mirrors air, uh, airport, which is what airplanes directly right. spoofing because that's mm-hmm. what the threat is in that. It's a bomb on the, the, the plane. So this is just doing that on a bus, but obviously with the, the hijinks and the comedy. Um, and doing things like, you know, the the cap, like he's a captain. He's not just the bus driver, he's the captain. And he has a captain's table that he invites people to dinner right. to, you know? 
wacky things like that. So, like, it, it's making fun of these tropes. And, you know, that was something that was in Poseidon Adventure that, that we did, is, you know, the captains mm-hmm. invited people. And that was, and funnily enough, who was the captain in Poseidon Adventure? It was the, the man who we associate with spoofs more than any other actor. It's it's all just a circle. Everything feeds back into itself. Yeah, that's actually, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. is the spoof guy. He did all the naked guns, he did airplane. And mm-hmm. here we are, we have this movie that predates his spoofs, kind of referencing his prior role in another disaster movie. That's kind of funny. Yep. I mean, you said at the beginning that this did specifically say you've seen the big boats, you've seen the mm-hmm. big buildings on fire. I mean, I think we could point out specifically that's probably talking about Poseidon Adventure, is it not? Oh, absolutely. That That's referencing Poseidon Adventure, Tower and Inferno, Earthquake, and I think it was the fourth one it mentioned, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but... <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, it, like, it's, it's directly referencing these big films from 70, mm-hmm. 72, 74. The airport may have been the other one, actually. I just can't remember what it said for it, but uh, that would make sense, because that was the other yeah. big one. But yeah, because they were all, because I think... Oh, no, no, it was uh, Big German Balloons. Oh, yeah, so it's probably like a, a Hindenburg-style... Mm-hmm movie which i don't know what that is to be honest off of my head but yeah same fair enough uh, yeah it's um like it's referencing the biggest ones plus the balloon one <laughs> um <laughs> so it's uh, you know it, it definitely is setting you up to be thinking about those as you're watching the movie so when you start seeing i mean i would say that the first like 20 minutes is definitely the part that's the least disaster movie like because it's it very much plays like already oh, to find this you know the guy to driver bus. It plays it's it's like a normal movie with just a mm. couple of main characters, and then when we get to oh the bus is going to launch soon, then we start getting all the the ensemble introduced at the right. the bus station, and it's like okay that this feels like the start of a disaster movie, you know comedy version, yeah. but this is you know. I mean that's that honestly I feel like that's where it differs the most from like airplane for example is that we probably go a good half an hour into this 90 minute movie before we actually get introduced to what i think would be any other disaster movies like first thing of showing off here's everyone you're going to be associated with meanwhile airplane uh as i brought up does it really even do the ensemble i don't feel like it really does no, it doesn't that actually as as, uh yeah. I, I guess because well, i think airplane as much as it's spoofing airport i don't think I don't think it has like this mantra where it's trying to like be a uh, the definitive disaster movie spoof. It's just trying to use airport mm. as a skeleton to, to tell all these jokes. Right. Whereas this is directly saying, no, no, we are doing a disaster movie spoof. Right. And I did look up. Uh, there was a 1975 disaster film of The Hindenburg, starring George C. Scott. I don't think I had that malice. Maybe season two of 70s disaster movies will have to be six movies to, to fit that right. bad boy in. But uh, There you go. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... It's definitely a wackier time. Like, it's... I mean, don't get me wrong. I do think it's easily the weakest of the three that we've done. I mean... Uh, the, the... I... You, you can say that. Uh, but okay. when we get down to ratings, I don't know. Uh, okay, I, maybe you like this I, one more. Because uh, yeah. I like Cassandra Crossing more than you, so I mean, maybe... Yeah, no, that's fair. It might just be different tastes at this point. But this one, this one at least, as I said in Cassandra Crossing, it had trouble keeping me engaged. It had trouble keeping me interested the whole way through. Uh, this one, I was engaged the whole time. I was keeping an eye because it was just fun. It was a fun movie. It was set out to do exactly what it was trying to do. 
It kept me amused, and I think it did a pretty good job of taking all these different tropes from disaster movies and turning it into a coherent plot, something that made sense in a film way, well, even outside of just comedy. In a cartoony sense, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Because, <laughs> you know, I think if you really scrutinize some of it, it's not going to hold up very well. I mean, what's wrong with a nuclear-powered bus? I don't see any yeah. issues with that. Yeah, uh, well, one, yeah. Of the, one of the things they introduced with that, actually, is that they do the whole, you know, when you're on a plane and the, they'll do, they're like, this is how you use right. your, your safety vest thing. But in this movie, in case of a radiation leak, uh, your hazmat suit will drop down and here's the hundred <laughs> little instructions you need to know about setting this thing up. <laughs> I know you said not to go into the jokes, but just... Yeah the second part to that of like how do we know if we did it right and she's like good question if you haven't done it right you'll experience blindness and hair loss <laughs> and the taste of blood in your mouth it's like oh all right it's chernobyl on a bus yep pretty much potentially though oddly enough the nuclear aspect of it doesn't really play in no it's at all if anything it's just the motive for why the bad guys uh, or yeah. to try to take it out, it doesn't actually play. Because I, I was expecting, I was expecting, oh, there's a nuclear like radiation leak or something, or yeah. or whatever. But no, it's just, it's just no, 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 no. Like, uh, the bomb uh messes up the bus enough that they can't stop, so it becomes this mm -hmm. kind of we have to keep driving. Uh, in a, in a weird way, it almost goes into speed territory, except it never takes itself seriously. So I don't think for a second that right. it in any way inspires speed. It's just that no, definitely not. No, it, it just you know, it's it just it's almost in that territory that we can't slow down. But it's more like the brakes don't work rather than yeah, you know, anything the, else. The bomb is set to a timer. It doesn't matter what they do. Yes, the bomb would go off. So and it just so happened to disable the brakes, yeah. which of course leads to its own hijinks the whole way through. And so we obviously we mentioned the main character. We mentioned mm -hmm. uh, the. Sort of the love interest and the, the mm. bus designer Kitty. Um, we have a co captain or a co driver <laughs> uh, named Shoulders, uh, who I won't say what it is, but he's got like a sort of jokey gimmick. Uh, mm. it's basically his whole thing, to be honest. Um, yeah. uh, Odo from Deep Space Nine plays a priest who's kind of like given up religion and is really cynical <laughs> about it. Anytime anyone asks him about it, that's his character. Ned Beatty's the guy back at Mission Control. Mm -hmm. uh we have a guy who only has six months left to live and that's yep. kind of his running thing is that keeps coming up in different ways we have uh, a woman who is like a fashion designer and is very eccentric i would say the woman fashion designer character not to get too spoilery with it but she's the most overstuffed character mm. of the plot where it seems like she has three or four different things going on that don't relate to each other Sure. They yeah. all just happen to be her things. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned the married couple that are in the process of getting divorced and are mm. constantly bickering in kind of a playful way, and uh, you know that stuff sort of comes in and out of it as the movie goes on as well. Yep. Uh, so that's pretty much all of our characters, right? Uh, outside of that, you have the assistant to the guy back in Mission Control, who's just constantly crapped on the entire time. Uh, you have the veterinarian. Who was disgraced. Oh, of course, of course, yes, yes, yes. And you have the old lady who, I'm not entirely sure what her gimmick was, but she was there. Her, I think her gimmick just changed so that she's the old lady with a punchline in various scenes, depending on what yeah. the context of the scene was. 
if you are to be horny in this scene, she'll be horny. If you are to be <laughs> scared in this scene, she'll be scared. You know, it was just kind of whatever the scene called for. Yep. And then in terms of villains, you said that we have Iron Man, who, rather than an iron suit, is instead <laughs> in an iron lung. And his bumbling brother slash sidekick, who is the one actually trying to do the things to take out the bus. Yes. Uh, and a nuclear-powered bus is not the only piece of technology that's just fantastical that's in this movie. We'll get to that uh, in yeah. spoilers. So, yes. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot that I think I can add without getting into the, the spoilers. Yeah, no, because, it is the uh, issue of a comedy in that all we can really talk about is the tropes and the jokes. And both those are pretty spoilery all around, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will see here. Uh, Joseph Baloney does. Um, he fits this role better than his role in Alligator Two, where he's like the leading cop character who's going to like you know hunt down the alligator. Like he always feels like he's he belongs on a sitcom in that movie mm -hmm. when that's not what the movie really is supposed to be. Here it works better because it's a comedy, so at least it's like okay, his his uh his delivery and tone fit what was going on around him. At the oh, very yeah. least, so no, he was he was exactly what this role needed. I, I again to keep going back to airplane, but he did feel exactly like the leading role in that movie as well. Mm -hmm. Just that same sort of put upon the world his chewed him up, spit him out, but he's still funny the whole way through. All right, so we'll give the spoiler warning then. So, full spoilers for the big bus from this point on, you have been warned. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so Dan's backstory, our main character's backstory is that all the bus drivers don't like him. He goes into the bar at the start, and the bus drivers all just shun him, and they all start clicking and, like... Clicking their hole punchers. Yeah. Like West Side Story. <laughs> and they don't like his kind. They want him gone. And we find out uh, in this scene that his bus, like a couple of years ago, whatever it was, mm -hmm. uh, got lost in the mountains, and everyone, all the passengers died, and they all believe that he survived by eating all of the passengers to which he responds no the so it's not just the, the, the nuclear bus as a co-driver apparently this bus also yeah. had a co-driver he they says, always have co-drivers <laughs> have you ever been on a bus that's had a second driver <laughs> i've never taken a cross-country trip to mount diablo i'm sure that would have a co-driver oh maybe, maybe uh but whatever um so <laughs> he's like no 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 i ate the seats i ate the cushions i ate all these other things I did technically eat one foot because the co-driver made a shoe from the foot. <laughs> so I, ha I had one foot. And it's important to note the co-driver is the person who ate 110 people yes. on this bus. <laughs> Which, I mean, he must have, like, noticed the cannibalism by this point. By the time the shoe, unless it was the first thing that he made, like, before he'd yeah. eaten any other bodies, like, this was the first thing he did. I mean, I wouldn't know that, but I do, they did specifically point out the, like, it's like, well, you could have stopped him. He's like, I tried. He was a crazed animal. He wouldn't stop. He just kept eating them. Also, I'm pretty sure they were only lost in the mountains for like two days. <laughs> yes. I think they said. So, <laughs> Yeah. For, take, take away the fact that you have to get really desperate to consider cannibalism. Apparently not for this guy, but nope. also the he fact that he went through a hundred people to eat. Mm -hmm. In 48 hours? That doesn't feel... Like, he's feasting a bit much there. I don't know. That's... that's, that's, that's... 
But again, it's played up in the comedy. It works. Of course, of course. Although so, I will agree with you. Uh, I do think that's the one joke that is overplayed to the point where it kind of loses its humor a little bit. Yeah, it comes up multiple times that, you know, he ate a foot. This guy ate a foot. He's a cannibal. He ate a foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just wasn't that into it every time it came up. I mean, this bar scene I thought was mostly amusing because of the way they were this playing bar scene the scene fantastic. That bar scene's what sold me to stay invested throughout the entire movie. <laughs> There's a, obviously, it breaks out into a bar fight, and that's how he meets Shoulders, uh, because yes. Shoulders comes to his aid during the bar fight. And there's one joke in particular where Shoulders picks up a carton of milk, smashes it on the uh, counter, and guy's like, look out, he's got a broken carton of milk. Which, which you know, just so in, in everyone's heads here, imagine any yeah. other bar fight scene where someone grabs a bottle and smashes it, so it's sharp, exactly. you've got a stabbing weapon. He's he's halves a carton of milk, so he's got a bit of soggy paper or cardboard exactly. in his hand. That's all and he's got. So- and then some other guy grabs a candle, does the same thing. He's like, look out, he's got a broken candle. It's just, and they're just like dancing around each other, just like poking each other with it. And it's just like, this is so stupid, but I love every second of it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the joke that kind the one I mentioned, the radioactive one, that kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, I kind of appreciate the absurdity of this, where you've got the like uh, the main woman's like father is like okay we're, we're getting like the the atomic rod ready to power the mm-hmm. bus and they're, they're in like a lab and he's got the goggles on and the, it's behind the glass screen and they've got a robotic arm picking up this glowing rod that they're going to put in this chamber and it sort of like tilts and it won't go in mm-hmm. and the scientist man's like damn it i was afraid of this oh you were afraid that it was going to lose grip and <laughs> just not yeah. quite going and he's like hey ned beatty Want to deal with this? And Ned Beatty removes his goggles <laughs> to go into the room with the atomic rod and just pulls out a handkerchief and just uses the handkerchief to sort of adjust it with his hand. <laughs> and then he walks back out and he's like, you did it, Ned. And he puts out his hand for a handshake and then someone else goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't shake his hand. I was like, okay, that was... That, that, yeah. That, 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 was, that was a little bit funny. I, I, that, like, you know, I'll... I'll, I'll okay. I'll give it. I'll give it points there. It was. Yeah. It was amusing. Um, uh, and then obviously the bomb goes off at the, the laboratory. Lab. Yeah, someone try, it, they try to sabotage early before the bus even leaves, but the bus is fine. Yep. And the running thing that again I think was overplayed in the beginning mm-hmm. is that the professor Kitty's dad is impaled by a Saint Christopher's medal, and the doctor on site basically says that he can't be moved not even to bring him to a hospital or else he's risking death so they just keep him out on this parking lot ground for the entirety of the movie and everyone has to keep on referencing back to him as he's just laying there yeah i think that that one got overplayed a little bit yeah it's one thing to get one quick scene of him in the storm when he's like trying to lie there in a sleeping bag uh, mm-hmm. without being moved but it cuts back to them in the storm like three times and it's like, yeah. I, I get it you know you've, you've done this joke I mean I think that they ended it at the proper time which is they had the professor brought into the lab and then it's revealed that they literally carved up the piece of the parking lot and brought it in on a forklift mm-hmm. I think in terms of escalating the joke that's pretty much as high as you can go yeah yeah so so either that or when the bus comes out he's in the way but the bus has to go through him so it's like sorry <laughs> like you, you yeah. either end it with a joke death or you yeah you do something shit silly like that yeah um so but 
They need, they need so they've lost their driver though. So they, they need Dan, mm. and it's uh the professor who's like, we need Dan. I don't. Oh, yeah, this is actually I, honestly my favorite line of the whole movie might be in the first like five minutes. Okay. It's when he's lying there and he's got his, this chain sticking out of him, right? And it's like mm. near something important, so you know we can't jostle it, we can't you know do anything to it. And he's like, okay, honey, Kitty. You're going to have to get Dan. He's like, no, Dad, I don't want to... I'm not going to speak to Dan, never. And he's like, look, Kitty, you're going to have to put your past with him behind you. We're talking about buses here, woman! And he sort of like <laughs> clenches his fist. And I just... The the way that everyone talks about buses in this movie, like it's this, like, like, like they're astronauts and they're, like, they're honoured yeah. to be bus drivers. Just like that that exactly. running gag it did make me laugh it was do you know what it made me think of it made me think of like i'm watching parts and rec and the way the librarians mm. talk about being librarians or the firefighters and like uh brooklyn 99 talk about being firefighters it's that kind right. of joke it's that well this is a duty and a sense of honor and like we are, we're put on this earth to be bus drivers right. um but yeah we're talking buses here women i don't know i just thought that was funny uh, yeah but, yeah. yeah so uh Dan insists that Shoulders be his his, his co-captain, his co-driver, uh, mm-hmm. although he regrets it quite quickly when he finds out that Shoulders just goes into blackouts, uh, especially when he's moving. Yeah. Uh, or even talks about moving. They're yes. like, all right, Dan, time to get moving. <sighs> Which really, really you know, stuck out to me later where there's a scene where he's, he's at his dining table entertaining some of the you know prestigious guests on the bus. I'm like, Wait, that's means Shoulders is driving. That seems a mm-hmm. bit dangerous to me. Well, you didn't cover it. How did he get the name Shoulders? Because he always drives on the shoulder. Yep. And that's actually when he comes back. He's, he goes back to the back, and then all of a sudden the bus starts shaking, and we see the Shoulders just been driving in the shoulder the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's a little bit of build-up. Uh, there's like a really big joke, actually, near the start where... Again, this idea of treating being a bus driver like really, you know, like, like I mean, a, I, like I a feel calling. like it has to be astronaut. Like, yeah, everything about this just screams that this is the parallel of astronaut. Yeah, but there's a scene where Dan goes to when he's like sort of mulling over like if he's accepting the job or not because it's, you know, it's this big choice, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he goes to his father's grave, who was also a bus driver, and starts asking him and talking to him. But the joke is, is that he keeps kind of getting like off track and interrupted because there's other people at gravestones near him also talking to their deceased <laughs> and then the camera eventually pulls back and you just hear this cacophony of noise as there's like dozens if not hundreds of people all talking to gravestones i that's one of my favorite jokes in movies of whenever somebody does something that's in a movie for one person to do makes sense it may be over the top but it makes sense but then to have a whole bunch of people do it, and everyone's got their own story going on. Hmm. That's one of my because my uh, one I come back to is I know you're not a fan of the movie, but Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where vegan cops come in and come after Brandon Routh, and it you watch in the background after they've done their thing, like they've got their whole other plot going on. Like, they're their own characters in a story that is not being told to the audience. And I just love that joke the same way it is here, where there's a guy who's just like, he's been stealing money right out from under me the whole time, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. That always gets me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, 
there's like a big speech he gives or something to the 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 staff of the bus like like it's his mm-hmm. like you know like he's like he's a ship captain and he's talking to the crew he's like yeah like how many people are on this damn thing <laughs> like this is so we get the big reel of the bus though and it's the 2001 music which i you know i know right. what, I, like i can never Thus spoke zarathustra there you go i can never remember the damn title of the song mm-hmm. but uh that plays as the bus is being unveiled for the first time uh out of the out of the the garage or whatever it is yeah and uh this i don't know if it's right before or after this where we get all the other passengers introduced in the the bus station and uh you know we get all their, yeah. their various bits and pieces uh, the only real joke I remember here is the fashion designer lady deciding to have sex with one of the workers in the station. Yeah, I didn't get that one. It just seemed kind of out of nowhere, but hey, she's spon- I guess it... She's spontaneous. Well, that's, that's what yes, it. but also, <laughs> that's one of those things where it's one of her, like, four completely different character traits. Mm. Where she has all these... Apparently, she's seductive, but also, as we find out later in the movie... Uh, she's vengeful, and then even later on in the movie, like she's just kind of goes all in on the fashionista part. So none of those really gel with each other, and it's the only character I feel like didn't quite work for me. Do you think she was maybe like two or three different characters in the original draft, and they've just combined to? I mean, it's possible. I think it's it's also maybe a thing of like maybe she was really good in whatever they originally wrote her for and they're like yeah we can give you like a few extra lines we can keep you around mm-hmm. a bit more um one joke you did skip over that i love was um they're having a little celebration party thing and the they're talking to the professor and the professor's like i'm afraid that somebody's gonna break in and sabotage the bus and dance like don't worry when I locked up, I left the lights on so that people would still think that they're working in there. Nobody's going to come in. And then it immediately smash cuts to the guy who's going to sabotage. you would be like, hello, is anyone working here? All right. And just immediately, <laughs> like, perfectly well done there. Mm. So, you know, they get, they get on their, their, their trip. Uh, they have, like, a crowd waving them off as if they're mm-hmm. a ship leaving dock. <laughs> in the 1930s or whatever of course uh and they go on their their trip and we're introduced to some of the bus's features um mm. for example it can jettison a tire at will and replace it with a spare it's all automated so they do like yep. a test system test they're like system checks and like okay let's test that and and it's like okay uh they've got like a, a car wash feature where the, yeah the, it's just it's a self-cleaning feature, but it is literally a full car wash. Yeah, basically, you know, the the what do you even call it? The spinny things from a car wash come out and the the rolling pin <laughs> yeah. style, whatever. I don't know what you call them, but yeah, they they they're and it comes out to play a bit later when uh Dan's like climbing on top of the bus and they, they, someone mm. turns it on by accident or the bus is like malfunction and it turns on by itself and he's mm. like suddenly getting you know washed and cleaned as he's going over the top of the bus, right. Uh, so, yeah, we're interested in these various features. We're also interested that they're going to try and break this speed record, uh, kind of. So, the way I gathered it is that they're basically trying to go fast enough that they can get past wind resistance. Yes. Like a bus being so big and bulky, it has to do with a lot of wind resistance, but if you go fast enough, you can, like, slipstream it. That's what I picked up. Which they refer to 
as breaking wind. As one does. I see nothing wrong with that. I don't know. That that, that was a little <laughs> on the juvenile side for my uh, <laughs> my taste, I think. I mean, it was, but it, they repeated it like four times and then they just dropped it entirely. So mm. it wasn't that much. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, at this point, we're like halfway through the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, we're already like That's halfway what shocked done. Me. I, I, had to, I had to pause just to go to the bathroom at one point and I was amazed at how far in we were. I think I paused like 70 minutes in and it did not feel like it at all. Yeah, like you know, you know, I mentioned earlier there's the joke where the passengers have been told about their their suits that drop down and stuff if they mm-hmm. need them or or whatever. And there's obviously little bits and pieces with the passengers around this part of the movie that's just sort of furthering their you know interest in the, the priest properly and his cynicism mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, it's just all little things. And when you're actually trying to recount in the movie, like you know, at this point you're basically ready. To, other than the dinner scene where he gets mad because someone remembers that he's uh the foot guy. Yeah. Um, it basically it's like okay there's a problem oh there's something you know going on here in this part of the bus so he climbs out to see what it is and no there's a bomb there and yeah. this this kind of like propels the the main problem which is why they they end up not being able to stop in the town now i have a mm-hmm. question maybe maybe i missed the explanation of this yes. this uh foam like so so they're going to this town and like in the town they, they spray it with f- like foam all over the street to slow mm-hmm. them to help slow them down i was unclear if this was something they were doing just to help it stop in general like this was always part of the plan or if this was only because it was malfunctioning mm-hmm. and they needed help to slow down okay good question moving on <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Good, I genuinely, good, good. I, as long as I'm not crazy, and I, yeah, <laughs> that's all. I, that's all I need to know. Uh, obviously, it doesn't help. And eventually, they end up in that they're on a windy road and they can't slow down. So he's like, mm. you know, and this is the this was the windy road his father died on. I think he said. Well, I'm not even sure that it wasn't that they couldn't slow down at that point. I feel like they spe- he specifically said like, oh, I'm gonna. It's uh, what was it? It's like I don't know, breakneck pass or something like that. Some crazy name. But yes, his father is the one who died in it, and he specifically says, like, I'm not going to let it stop me. So he's taking all these turns <laughs> at, like, top speed, just because why not? Yeah. Uh, and then, and I, do lo- I do love yeah. that's the other part of this movie, is that they explicitly say that there are multiple times where, like, they probably could have stopped, but he's so determined to make this a nonstop trip. <laughs> from new york he's like these people paid for non-stop ticket and damn it they're gonna get it well that was that was the thing at the start of the movie say oh this will be the first ever bus that goes non-stop from new york to denver i'm like mm-hmm. sure there's buses from new york to denver and i'm like wait the non-stop part's the part you're pr- like you could literally just do that with any bus just say don't stop any like you know okay in fairness it's a 26 hour trip and i think the problem is gas okay, like, okay stopping sure. to get gas okay so that's the one thing that's special about it is that the nuclear power means you don't have to stop and get gas that's it yes that is the, the like that's not that impressive like how many stop <laughs> once or twice to refuel the tank it's, it's not, not, not that big I mean, a deal there's also the green stuff of it's not spitting out carbon and stuff like that there's you could claim that if you needed oh, to oh yeah but the point i'm making is that he specifically is proud like the first ever bus trip non-stop from new york to denver he's literally proud of the fact that he comes from a long line of bus drivers <laughs> clearly you have your apples in the wrong basket here oh dear it says it's when i go down the windy road though there's a random like family in a truck that end up crashing yeah. into the, the top half of the front but uh 
and this ends up with them teetering over a ledge, which is the, the real disaster part, really. It's this, this, this like, 15-minute mm. section where they're teetering over the edge, and they do various things to try and tip their weight back into the back half of the bus, one of mm. which is to, like, and they've got buttons for this in the cockpit for some reason, to jettison all of the, uh, you know, the, all the soda streams, right? So they're yeah. like, all right, jettison the, the Mountain Dew, and it starts spurting out. So they're filling up this back compartment of the bus with, uh, you know, soda soda yeah. uh which I, I we call it soda here so i, I keep saying I, I keep going to say juice but i'm like americans won't get it they'll, they'll think i'm talking no. about like orange juice yeah <laughs> we, we will accept soda soft drinks or pop but juices off the table pop I call it pop i don't but it is a regional dialect i the, 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 what shitty regions are calling it pop like i i think less of you anyone who calls it pop i think less of you <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were drawing lines in the sand here today. All right. Um, I'll accept soft drink. Soft drinks, mate. Um, right. So, uh, but yeah, no the 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 soda room specifically. They that's where the second level of disaster comes in, and that they had to airlock the so, the kitchen where they're. Why do they have airlocks on a bus? <laughs> because this is the most advanced bus known to man, Peter. Now, does it help? I mean, obviously, you see at one point they've got like a swimming pool room, and I'm like, where does yep. this all fit? They <laughs> like, have a where's... swimming pool and a single lane bowling alley. Yes, that's right. They have a bowling alley. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, our, our female lead, Kitty, has been knocked out in this mm. soda room. So she's actually like, it's filling up with soda, and she's going to drown in the soda. So yep. because Dan has decided, that, you know, he, he's sad that he ever let her go, and that she's the love of his life. Uh, he's like, no, I'm going to, and this is when he's climbing on top of the, the bus and he's getting hit with the, the cleaning stuff and yep. all, all the other obstacles in his way. And he starts saying things out loud where he's like, you know what? I'm sorry, Kay. I'm sorry I cheated on you with, and then starts listing every woman that he's cheated on her with <laughs> in the past, including her aunt. What's her name? Uh, to which, at which point she reveals that she's hearing all this over the comms because she's woken up mm -hmm. and she's like, damn you, aunt Dolores or whatever her name was. Yeah. Oh, that's another joke that I liked much earlier in the movie, um, where they discover that there is a bomb in there, and he calls up Shoulders and says, Shoulders, I need you to hook me in with uh, Kitty, get me on the comms with her, and Shoulders presses some buttons, accidentally puts him over the comms to the whole bus, and <laughs> yeah. says, Kitty, I gotta let you know there's a bomb on this bus. <laughs> yeah, but make sure you don't tell anyone, don't alarm anyone, and all the passengers yeah. are all screaming, because they're just, just freaked out. Uh... Yeah, so they have the heart to heart when he's coming to save her and whatever. Uh, you know, again, there's a couple of amusing lines in here where I think again referencing that he was cheating on her is like, you know, I slept with all those other women so that I could think about you, and she says, "Why don't you just sleep with me to think about me?" He's like, "Huh, that's a good, a good point." Uh, but no, I just want to be with you and think about them. Oh God, I lost it at that part. That part was great. <laughs> it was a good play it's a good play yeah. uh they've also got a button to jettison all the luggage at the front which i feel like that's the first thing you'd have done that, that that's obviously like a lot of weight in the front half of the bus that you could be that opens them up to lawsuits you don't want that <laughs> uh so they, they try and you know hook things onto a tree you know it gets all yeah. the women to take their underwear off why their underwear specifically and not just anyone wearing an extra shirt or like anything that's you know you can do without first mm -hmm. maybe no the women specifically take off your underwear 
Well, uh, for some reason on uh, Poseidon Adventure, the women had to take off their dresses, yet That's some of them true. didn't. That's true. Uh, at least here it's got the excuse of being a comedy. So yeah, fair. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it that, <laughs> at the very least. Uh, uh, in fact, one of the things they do as well, actually, when they're they're going really fast around the bends and they want to slow down a little bit, is he says, we, we need something to break the wind. Um, release the flags of every nation. And then all these flags pop up at the t- top of the bus, uh, which obviously aren't helping, but... Yeah. No, obviously it's not, official. but it's... Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't get it, but it was a comedic visual gag. So also, every nation my arse. Like, does <laughs> someone should count all those flags? But I, I, I guarantee there wasn't enough for every country in the world. Uh, they had the USSR on there, so that accounted for like twenty modern day countries. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, so. I mean, honestly, once they solve this problem, the movie's basically over. Obviously, there's the demise of the villain, which is kind of a separate little thing. Yeah. Uh, which... I mean, the, the, the villain steps up the entire time the bumbling idiot of a sidekick is like, I want to use the electronic earthquake machine. Which they have an electronic that. earthquake machine. Can we not gloss over that? I see no... What's special about that? I have... It's totally normal to have an electronic earthquake machine. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you could just make an earthquake happen somewhere at the push of a button. Yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> why does he need to be a bad guy? Why doesn't he just, like, make money off the fact that he's got this insane technology? Because that's not the family business. Oh, uh, family yeah, businesses. Okay. He took His family took out Titanic, and now they're taking out the big bus. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he, he he tells the guy, like, okay, look... Yeah, we're down to no other options. You can go ahead and use the electronic earthquake machine. Just plug in the coordinates for it, and the earthquake will start. And he's like, all right, I'm going to give him a 6.5. He's like, no, make it an 8.5. He's like, oh, okay. And, of course, it turns out that him being the bumbling idiot, he put in the coordinates for their base of operations. And it's the demise of both villains, as far as we can tell. Yes, yes. They're probably dead, is is the answer. And then the, the joke ending that right before the credits is the, the bus separates in two because of all the, the damage uh, yep. with them blissfully unaware. And, well, like, you, any other movie would end with them arriving in their destination. And this movie's like, nah, nah, they're, they're, they're close, but we're yeah. just going to end it with this joke and that's it. That's Denver it. was 25 miles away, but we're just going to end it with a zoom out shot of the bus separating and credits. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, we've glossed over a lot of little character. Like, there's there's a lot of little character jokes and payoffs. Like, the mm-hmm. couple who wanted a divorce and were happy to get a divorce right towards the end when Dan's going to save uh, Kitty. They're like, "Hey, you're the captain. Marry us quickly. We we made a mistake. We need to be married." Uh, the veterinarian, like, he's asked to help the married man uh, because he's injured, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, you know, I, I guess dogs and cats are kind of like people." But w- the joke being that when he goes to treat him. He actually like talks to him like he's a dog and gives him like a doggy treat and mm-hmm. you know says bite down on this and you know so on and so on and that's the, the yeah guy. and then even he gets the splint onto him because it was his wrist that was injured or something like that and when he finally did it, he's like yeah what do those PhDs know anyway I'm <laughs> a doctor now uh surely veterinarians veterinarians still need to have They're still doctors. not a PhD yeah not a PhD though. No, okay. that's the, that stands for a pretty human degree. 
I'm fairly certain you still have to be pretty well educated to be a vet. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw to that be out fair there. though. To be fair, he was a disgraced vet, so oh, he sh- might not have been that good to begin with. Was he like a black market vet who was doing like shady stuff in back alleys, and then they found out, and that's why he's disgraced? I mean, I'd have to assume so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, it, it does underuse some of its actors, though. Like, Ned Beatty's got this role, and he's the one who goes in and does the, the plutonium thing at the start, but mm-hmm. other than that, he, like, every time it cuts back to him, he doesn't really have a whole lot to really do, or material. Yeah, his whole subplot revolves around him and his assistant, where his assistant's just fed up with being crapped on the whole time, and, like, threatens to quit, and then when he does end up quitting... Ned Beatty's just distraught for like three scenes until he comes back in what's supposed to be a triumphant return where he's standing in the door. He's like, we got a bus to save. It feels like either some material got cut or it was just really underdeveloped. Like, yeah, you know, one or the other, like, I'm not sure which, but it, it felt, it, it almost felt like there probably was scenes to make the story feel more coherent and like mm-hmm. more fleshed out. But they trimmed it down to get 90 minutes because they're like, no, just boom, boom, boom with the jokes. And I respect that as a comedy, but at the same time, like, it would be nice to ha- care a little bit about what's happening in the plot. Because I-, I would say this is a comedy where I don't care about anything that's happening plot wise. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? It's, you know, it's just things are just happening, just be here for the jokes. And I think a great comedy, it can juggle both things where you're still invested in what's happening and you want the character to succeed and, you know, do the thing they're trying to do. But it's just really funny along the way, and if anything, mm. it can enhance the comedy because you're actually invested. So when a, a you know a joke deflates the uh, the tension intentionally or whatever, it can it can be more effective, mm. uh, as opposed to you know I, I think that's kind of why spoofs are kind of hard to do. Well, obviously, there's, there's some good examples, but by but, and large, it's hard to do. And there's a reason why a lot of the ones that have been attempted in the last like twenty five years <laughs> have been absolute garbage. Uh, I mean, in fairness, half the ones attempted in the last five years have all been the same people that is very very true yes um you know basically like people are fond of scary movie and i do remember scary movie 3 having a few Mm. good things in it but basically scary movie 4 onwards and that's including everything that ends with the word movie yeah you know all trash just now i haven't seen most i've just seen clips and stuff but you you can I mean, I say that, obviously, <laughs> it's bound to be a theme on this show at some point, but... Oh, no, it can't be. I, I don't think no, we'd have anything to say. I don't think there's anything we could say, to be honest. It would be the exact same... We would have a lot to say the first time, and then the exact same yeah. stuff to say every other time. Yeah, it'd be too repetitious. You're right. You're right, you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, I, I... Personally, I think that this movie did... It's strange to me that out of all three movies we've done so far, I feel like the best one from, or I should say the least impressive one from a technical aspect was actually Poseidon Adventure. Because both Cassandra Crossing and this movie, like they went out, they shot on location, they used these big props and had these big scenes where Poseidon Adventure was very much all internal. And I think it benefited the movie, but it is strange to me that the one that feels the biggest is the one that has the least amount. I think, I think maybe that's a testament to 
I either making that choice because they knew it benefited because you just you just admitted it benefited the movie. So if they mm-hmm. just made that choice, then that's just them being smart. And even yeah. if it was a case of, oh no, we tried doing some extra effects with like a toy boat and it just looked shit, so we didn't want to use right. it. Working around that limitation and knowing that you can't use that, so making it feel like no, this is intentional. This is like claustrophobic, and we're not going to show mm-hmm. too much of the outside of the boat and so on and so on. Uh, Either way, you end up with a result that's them using their resources wisely and like, okay, this is what we can do. Let's make the best of it and mm-hmm. do what we can. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you're you're technically right. Like, and I, but to be fair, both this and um, Cassandra Crossing don't have to do water, right? They're they're both you yeah, know, yeah. they're on a road, they're on a railroad track. You know, they're in locations that are easier to shoot in. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think Cassandra Crossing was more impressive than this one from a, a filmmaking yes. perspective because you know that that had all the helicopter stuff and it actually had, was, was tense and it had all these unique kind of locations with the you know the the old shoddy bridge and you know all mm. of the path towards that uh this you know you can definitely feel when they're sitting in the train that there's a lot of uh like the rear screen like out the window of like right you know the, it's it's very much a set movie it just so mm. but they've got a lot of real footage of this bus they made that they're driving around for the exterior shots so it does feel like it's yeah. got the the scale that it needs to and i mean uh, i will give it credit at the the uh exterior shots like shoulders passing out in the co-pilot mm-hmm. seat uh when they're leaving the lot like if you look you he's you can see him still passed out even in the external shots like they oh, didn't sure. just film it and say like yeah sure no one's gonna pay that much attention to it like no they the the i think that's the uh line producer is in charge of those continuity things so mm. they earn their money if i have a critique of the externals is it would be when the bus is in motion i feel like that big reactor looking thing at the, the back should maybe look like it's active some way you, you, you sort of hear a noise yeah. as if it's rumbling or something but i'm like oh, a bit of light or a bit of a fume coming off of it or mm-hmm. you know I, I get why in this time period they can't just easily do that but it's like yeah that, that's the one thing that i feel like to, get, to add to the joke if anything mm-hmm. is that hey there's like a nuclear reactor in the back of this bus yeah i think the the scene where it really needed it was uh when they are trying to break wind uh mm. specifically they're not trying to get to some ludicrously impossible speed they're literally just trying to get to 90 miles an hour but the joke is as they're passing by all these small buildings trying to get up to 90 mm. like it's blowing out windows it's throwing people out of their chairs just from the wind drag that they're going along with them oh yeah uh, i mean you- 90s uh i mean it's fast for a bus and no bus should ever go 90 oh, miles yeah. per hour but compared to like a like say like a race car that's you know nothing mm-hmm. like you know it's, it's yeah it's yeah it's you know most regular cars can happen i mean you're not supposed to go that fast obviously like but like you can yeah no one would go that fast on normal highways <laughs> um so you know like just a, a little bit more flash and whiz and bang to the to that side of it but that's yeah. not like a big complaint if it mm-hmm. if anything I, I just wish i cared a little bit more about some of the characters i feel like a lot of the ensemble cast are kind yeah. of throwaway and ultimately don't really add up too much or contribute that much to the movie mm-hmm. yeah the main trio is really all i felt anything for yeah honestly um the closest they got was there is the dinner scene as we mentioned before where the fashion designer reveals that she's the daughter 
of the man whose foot he ate. <laughs> That's right. And they do a whole thing where she pulls out a gun and is like threatening to kill him for eating his oh her, i forgot yeah, about this father. this whole joke yeah and then like kitty's like no nah, if you want to shoot him you have to shoot me and then the priest is like mm -hmm. yeah if you want to shoot her you'll have to shoot through me and then the guy who's got like months to live goes well i'm going to die anyway so if you want to shoot them you're going to have to shoot through me and he's mm -hmm. like but then again i've only got a few months left to live and he sort of swaps places with the priest and then he swaps places with kitty and then eventually uh, it gets back to dan being Damn, in front yeah. and then someone else gets threatened and he's like he wasn't even in line yeah, or something like it that. Was, yeah. It was there was a blackout or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Momentarily, and she ends up shooting the husband character, but then it turns out the husband wasn't actually shot; he was just faking it. And then him and the wife character start making out at the table again. <laughs> it's a confusing sequence, but that was right before the gunshot was fired. Felt like the closest they were getting to the fashionista character being someone that would be cared for out of the ensemble. But then it just kind of resulted in nothing. Yeah, they just don't have enough. Where I don't really feel like they had much of a payoff. Where they didn't really contribute anything to the actual like surviving or anything like that. And mm -hmm. you know, it's it's all just Dan and Kitty, and to an extent, shoulders, but mostly just those two. Yeah, I mean, every character has a setup and a payoff in terms of the guy who has six months to live. He's all dour to begin with, and then. The fashionista, once again, is in a bathtub, invites him in, and he's like, you're right, I should be enjoying my time. And there's the priest who doesn't believe in God, and then at one point he just accidentally says, oh, we all need to pray or we all need to believe or something like that. And he's like, oh, I found my faith again. But it literally is just the scene setting it up and then the scene paying it off. There is no yeah. build-up. In yeah, the, whereas if you com stories. compare it to the Poseidon adventure uh, briefly, you have all the setup and payoffs for the characters that have them all tie into like helping them survive. You know, ultimately, right. you know, the one woman gets to prove that she's useful and it kind of helps save the day for every everyone else and you know stuff like that. Whereas mm. here, they're all just kind of random on their own and doesn't you know, they don't affect anything. They don't matter. And yeah. Maybe that's been a bit harsh because it's a comedy, but like you know, it would actually make it feel more like a constructed movie. Like good comedies still feel like, you know, you've got all the zingers and you've got all the jokes, but they still feel like it comes together in in a way in the script. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I would describe it as a mixed bag that is sometimes, you know, funny, amusing a lot of the time. Sometimes jokes fall a bit flat. Uh, for me, the bigger problem though is just that it feels a little bit too, like. The, 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 because it is just a comedy the premise is so light that you you can't really care about the actual disaster element or the the you know not that i would expect it to be as tense as one of the other movies but just i can't care about it in any way shape or form of like the the pacing of it or the build up mm. to it you know it doesn't really feel like it paces well up to a climax it just kind of all of a sudden there's a kind of something we have to solve towards the end and then once they solve it it's over you know yeah I mean, I don't think that it does really have a standard three-act structure in terms of, like, rising action and mm. climax and stuff like that. It is definitely just a series of jokes, and then we get to, quote-unquote, the set piece, like, the big moment that is just, again, a vehicle for more jokes. Um, it's a bus for I guess more jokes. We can just end the review here. That's it's not going to get over that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for me, I think it was. I just from the beginning, I wasn't really 
worried about that. I was accepting it less as a disaster movie and more as just the vehicle for jokes. I was basically viewing it in the same sort of way that I viewed Airplane, where it's just a joke a minute sort of thing. If if they have to choose between the plot and throwing a punchline in, they're going to sacrifice the plot. And I don't mean that to sound negative, but it's just the way that they were doing this particular movie where anything that would have been like, oh, they left this huge plot hole or something like that. It's like, no, they actively pointed at it and said, this is stupid. We are not taking this seriously. This guy is super proud to be from a line of bus drivers. And our one of our opening gags was a guy just barehanded with a nuclear rod. Like, we know that this doesn't obey any sort of logical reasoning. It's just here to be funny. So when I view it from that perspective, I don't really care that it doesn't have any sort of stakes or anything because I don't think it ever tried to. I think maybe what I'm trying to say is less stakes and more just more of a crescendo. And actually, like, you know, when I say caring about the plot, I don't necessarily mean like, because I'm like invested and I'm worried about the characters and like that. I, I just mean... When I look at other comedies and like, because uh, you know, I'm never worried when I watch. I don't know what's a comedy. Uh, I'm not worried when I watch Ghostbusters that mm. you know, they're in jeopardy or anything like that. But it still kind of builds and it still, you know. Oh yeah. You know, like there's a crescendo mm-hmm. to the plot. There's a payoff. There's a structure to it. Um, it, it. The plot and the jokes feel like they're servicing each other. Whereas here, it's like it's just all jokes. The plot is yeah. like irrelevant. It's a cartoon. Just ignore it. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, no, I'll I'll easily agree that this movie, I don't know if it would have benefited from an extra five minutes. I think it ended exactly how it wanted to. But I think in terms of structure, it probably would have benefited from having them actually arrive in Denver and just having some sort of wrap up. Whereas this movie felt like, OK, we got the bus off the edge of the cliff and cut. Done. We're I not think... doing anything else. Yeah. It could have probably used like an extra 10 minutes or so and I, I would have given that to the ensemble cast and making them just feel like they kind of fit into the actual plot a little bit more and yeah. I think that would actually still fit with the spoof idea that because that's what these disaster movies try to do usually so it mm-hmm. would actually f- help with the, the satirizing of the genre that it's doing. Uh, you know, it would, it would add to it in the in that sense. You know, it would make the comedy a little bit smarter because of that, <laughs> effectively. Yeah. So, fair. you know, um, but you know, I'm not gonna be too negative or too harsh on it. But like, you know, that's we're at ratings now. I think you know this was always going to be a bit of a shorter conversation compared to the uh, the others. But yeah, uh, David, what are you rating the big bus out of ten? What am I rating the big bus? Um, so obviously, I did really enjoy it. Um, it kept my attention. I thought it was funny. I do admit it had its problems. I think that it is. Not a well, I don't even want to say paced movie, but just a well-structured movie, especially when it comes down to the ending. Um, But overall, I was still just having a good time with it. I think that it is a very well-done comedy, especially in a world before Airplane even existed. This was doing it on its own. And I know that it's not the first spoof movie, but it definitely laid the groundwork for things that we saw It's It's hard not to think of airplane because not only is it a spoof but it's a spoof of a disaster genre mm. which is what airplane is yeah but airplane is exactly. the one that everyone knows so it's, it's impossible not to think about it yeah exactly but for this particular one 
I'm going to go ahead and give it a seven. I think that for different reasons, obviously, than Cassandra Crossing, it does get the same basic rating. Uh, What Cassandra Crossing had in scope and scale and feeling like it was actually doing something meaningful, this one, it kept me amused, it kept my attention, and while it didn't really have anything huge to say, it knew what it was trying to do, and I feel that it succeeded on all counts. I think it's interesting that uh, I wasn't sure how the averages were going to work out for this this theme, but it's mm-hmm. interesting that you've given what like a seven point five and two sevens. Yep. So far, like yeah, you know, it's, it's higher standard than I think I was necessarily expecting uh, across the board. Um, or I, maybe I, everything's just a seven. I don't know. We'll see <laughs> when we get there. Well, no, I mean, I'm going a little bit. Low. I'm going to go with a six out of ten. I think it's, you know, it's got some jokes. It's it's a pleasant enough watch, um, but I I couldn't read it too highly because of all the the reasons discussed. Um, but this is a decent time. If you if you if you do have access to it, I I would throw it on, especially if you like seventies disaster movies. This would be like a nice little sort of light piss take of it to mm-hmm. to enjoy. Uh, so a six out of ten from me. Um, sure. So uh, does it make the cut? Uh, well, we'll see if we can come to an agreement. Uh, of course, I'm favoring it, so I think it should make the cut. I could go down to cutting it close, but I'd have some arguments if you think it shouldn't even make it at all. No, no, I wouldn't put it that low. Uh, for for my mind, it is between cutting it close and making the cut. I think mm. I think I am leaning towards cutting it close. Okay, because you know I, I don't know if it has lasting appeal necessarily but i think if you're making a collection of disaster films this one definitely doesn't need to be included i don't think that it really holds up among other disaster films but i do think it is just a decent quality movie that is worth checking out yeah yeah uh, well, what are we agreeing on then i'll say cutting it close if that sounds good to you Yes. I agree, agree with me. That's the correct answer, yes. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yes. good. I like how, what you're saying. Let's do that. So, there you go. That's uh, movie number three of five of the season one of the 70s disaster movies. Uh, season two coming sometime next... Well, not next year. 2024 is what I mean to say. <laughs> mm. my, my mind's already in 2020 because we've, map, we've mapped out most of 2023 already, so my mind's yep. already in there. Uh, but coming up we're next at- time, we're looking at City on Fire as the next 70s disaster movie. So this is 1979. Uh, I'll specify that because there is an 80s action movie called City on Fire, just so that no one's confused by it. Uh, gotcha. 1979 is the one in question. Yep. So we are not doing 80s movies on this 70s disaster season. That is a, yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and I'm just noticing a name in the credits for the next one. Leslie Nielsen makes a return! Does he now? Yes, he's the mayor Fantastic. in the next movie, so uh, that's exciting. We'll see right. We'll see what that's all about. Other than the fact that, obviously, stuff's on fire. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, oh, also, uh, Shelley Winters, who I don't know who she was, but she was in Poseidon Adventure as well. Oh, really? Yep. She's listed here under Poseidon Adventure. Oh, interesting. We're um, just getting the whole crew back together. Apparently, yeah. Uh, and Ava Gardner's in this, who was in Cassandra Crossing. It's like everyone in the 70s lived at the same time. That's crazy. 
Uh, Henry Fonda's in it as well, which is, you know, he's a big name. Right. Of course, the lead is Barry Newman, who I'm not as familiar with. Uh, yeah, me neither. But hey, we'll find out next week. Uh, yep. That is uh, our thoughts on uh, The Big Bus. So if you have seen The Big Bus, and I suspect most of you won't have, because it's not exactly mm-hmm. something I'd heard of before, uh, let me know, or let us know in the comments what you think about it. And you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff. It helps us out a lot if you do. Uh, and of course, you can support all the content by becoming a member on YouTube or go over to patreon.com slash TV and supporting all the content and getting some bonuses for your trouble. Uh, we did Beyond the Poseidon Adventure as the bonus episode for this month, this season. So you can go and check out that. And of course, if you uh, want to do a one-time thing, you can also just use this, the, the Super Thanks button on YouTube if you like. But uh, any and all help is appreciated. In fact, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers uh, right now. Thank you very much. To Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, Board now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they are some of our higher tiered patrons. But obviously, thanks to all of our patrons and all of our viewers and listeners. It is greatly appreciated. And of course, you can uh, rate the audio podcast on iTunes or wherever you podcast from five stars. That also helps out. And share us amongst mm-hmm. your friends. Uh, threaten them with good podcast material. Uh, tell them that we did something crazy. Like, tell them that we just launched into a conspiracy tirade or something. And I'll listen through the whole thing waiting for it. <laughs> and then hopefully go, oh, that was informative and entertaining. Maybe I will yeah. come back anyway. Uh, I don't even mind that I was tricked into listening to this. Oh, we didn't trick them. The friend tricked yeah. them. Friend, perfect. Except that now they have confirmation that I have asked them to trick them. So, Okay, well, you tricked them. I didn't trick them. <laughs> no, yeah, you're innocent. That's fine. I'll take the fall. I'm missing all this. Uh, but that is the show. That is the Collector's Cut. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And damn it, woman, we're talking about buses. Bye.